1: Welcome, everybody, into the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show, brought to you by the Market Dominator and his team on the Buffalo Rumblings Vodcast Network, presented by Picasso's Pizza. <laughs> There's a lot more stuff going on. Sounds like football's around the corner. I am your host. I am the voice of the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show, soon to be in a couple of weeks, the Overreaction Buffalo Post Game Show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired, and it's summertime. Jessica Tennis has already called me out. I said it'd be back in August, and I'm a day early. Sorry. Welcome to everybody in the chat. Nautica here is it's good to see you. Robbie's in the chat. Jason Humbert, Daniel Gaurice, Chris Janke. what's going on? Calgary Mafia. That's a name I have not seen yet. David Reed, what's up? Jessica Tennis who I already mentioned. Richard Rush. Amanda McCulloch, I think that's how you pronounce your last name, is in the chat. Everybody is in the chat. It's so good to see all of you guys. And I've got some notes here, and the notes just simply say,
0: Summer, summer, summertime.
1: Yes, I just sang a Will Smith song to you because it is still summertime. And it's going by way too fast. If you have not picked up on it already, I'm a little bit excited to be here with all of you, with the Mafia. I'm excited to be back in the house. I'm excited to be back in the seat, back in front of the microphone. More importantly, I'm I'm excited for Bills football, and I think all of you guys are too. But as we always talk about on this show, I hope that you are not finding yourself wishing the summer away. I did not. I actually uh, did a very good job. It it went by quick. It went by too fast. That's one of the things about Buffalo summers. The school, the kids getting out of school, I'm off script. The the kids getting out of school June 26th, when you're used to them. I lived in Ohio for 13 years. So my, my daughter's first several years of schooling was in up until 2018 was in Ohio. And they get out of school like June 1st. So you have a huge summer, or at least it feels like you've got an enormous summer. When your kids get out of school June 26th, you're like, man, half, a third of the summer's over because <laughs> it is. <laughs> so July is zipped by football started. We're all sitting here excited, amped up for training camp, which I got to go to Saturday. A bunch of you have already gone. A whole bunch of you saw me and introduced yourselves to me and met me on Saturday, which was really cool. Um, I, I love that. Um, I loved meeting those of you that saw me. I'm going to actually, it's in my notes later. I'm I'm going to be back out at camp uh, on Monday. So if you are listening to this on the way to camp today, Monday, <laughs> look for me. I'm also going to be back out there on Tuesday. Tomorrow or Monday, I should say, I'm going with McKenna. And then on Tuesday, I'm going with the Market Dominator, whose shirt, T-shirt, I'm actually wearing right now, the Market Dominator team T-shirt. But the summer is, uh, what, about half over. Football is around the corner. Players are actually practicing. Things are actually happening. Pads are actually popping. It's a great time to be alive. I'm really, really excited. Thank you all for being in the chat. Thank you for joining me after this much-needed break. Not only am I back, but the Phoenix show is back. The Humpty Hotline is back. Football is back. And for this episode, we are going to talk some stuff. We're going to talk some Bill stuff. We're going to talk training camp. We're going to talk Josh Allen. We're going to talk fights started by Josh Allen. We're going to talk some injuries. We're going to talk about some players, not in attendance. We're going to talk wide receivers. I'm probably not going to keep you long. But first, like always, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, at the gym with your AirPods in, on the drive to work, or watching me live right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, let me just one more time for the last time say welcome. Please do me a favor. Please like and subscribe, whatever platform you're on. And keep in mind, as always, this is a recording of a podcast. We are Super Chat Live, so if you are trying to get my attention in the chat, I, I love that you're in the chat. If you're not on YouTube right now, jump over to YouTube. If you've never joined us live on YouTube, please make it a point to do so. But if, you, if you've if you got something pressing, if there's something you want to tell me, if, you, if there's a question you want to ask, the easiest way to get my attention is a Super Chat. You just throw the Super Chat in there. It comes up glowing on the screen. I will see it. I will not miss it. And I'll get to your question. First things first. First things first. I did a poll on Twitter. I had had enough. I was I was I was at and I have had enough moment. I don't know how many of you have ever gotten to one of those I have had enough moments, but I was at the I have had enough moment, and it stewed with me. And when we got in the car after after training camp, I just threw the poll out there. Look, this is the story, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you quick, and, and it's it's about training camp, but it's a little bit of a deterrent. So, and I know a lot of you saw the poll, and I know of you a lot of you saw the banter, but I had to use the facilities at St. John Fisher, and St. John Fisher is a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful stadium. The restrooms are gorgeous. Like everything, everything there is just really super super. It's in Pittsford, Rochester, which is possibly a, the nicest, a nicer suburb than any of the suburbs in Buffalo. Like it's gorgeous there. The campus is gorgeous, but I had to take a piss. I'm old. You know, I couldn't wait two hours. <laughs> I couldn't sit through the whole practice. Sorry. I had to go to the bathroom. I walk in the restroom. The urinals are all full, All the, and that's not abnormal. That's, you know, it, it is what it is. So I entered a stall, which for those of you that don't go into men's room, and there's probably half of the audience listening that, are females and you guys probably are like, is it okay to not, or is it okay to enter a stall if you're not going to do the other business? And it's not improper. If the stalls are, or if the urinals are full, it is not improper for a man to go in the stall and you just go in the stall and use the restroom right there, right? So it, it actually helps the line and helps everybody get through fast. It's normal. And I'm not sure either how many of you on the feminine side are overly familiar with public men's restrooms and how obnoxiously disgusting they are! Now, I've heard stories. I've never been in a women's restroom outside of when I was when I worked for Denny's when I was a teenager and I had to clean the bathrooms. I've, you know, I've heard stories that women's restrooms aren't exactly the cleanest either. But generally speaking, men's restrooms are not great. We'll just leave it at that. And if you want to know the primary reason, it's it's because there's always piss on the toilet seats. Always. Every single time you go into a stall, any location, any restaurant, any airport, any stadium, any public bathroom, any gas station, any college, any school, any place you go in this country, if you have to go into the stall for whatever reason, there's piss. The toilet seat is down and there's piss all over it. Every single bathroom bathroom you go into, unless it's your own personal one at home. And after my poll, (laughs) I'm wondering if some people's toilet seats at home have piss all over him. I walk into the stall, beautiful bathroom, beautiful stadium. There's piss all over the toilet seat. And I'd had enough. I was like, all right, that's it. I'm constant. You know, I'm constantly seeing the guy who doesn't return the cart to the cart area at the grocery store. I'm seeing that guy constantly get run on Twitter and what a horrible human being he is and how he's the worst human on the planet. And is there anybody worse than the guy that won't return the cart to the cart area? And I was just thinking to myself, huh, Who's the worst human in this situation? Is it the guy that won't return the cart to the cart area? Because let's be honest, there's times in my life that I've not returned the cart. There's probably two portions of my life. There's the portion of my life where I was young in my 20s, right? I ain't got time for that. And I didn't return it because that's who I was. And I was just kind of a jerk. And then as you get older and you mature, you understand the reasons because you've got a nicer car, <laughs> and you don't want somebody else's cart that was stranded or left in the parking lot to slide to like the wind to grab it, take it into yours. And as I got older, the only times that I've ever not left the cart, or I, I should say, I've not taken the cart back to the cart area as an adult, as a mature adult, is either if it's downpouring rain, right? So you abandon the cart. You get you throw your groceries in the in, in your car. And you jump in the car as fast as you can downpouring rain or like ridiculous snowstorm. And you can't push the cart through the snow because like the parking lot hasn't been plowed cr- plowed. Outside of that, I pretty much always take my cart back. One thing I have never done probably in my life after being old enough and taught by my mom and dad to lift the seat. One thing I have never done is pissed on a toilet seat on purpose. Never, not for fun, not drunk, not sober, not because I was lazy. One person told me because some people aren't flexible enough to reach down and lift the seat, not because it was dirty. If it's dirty, you can lift the seat easily with your toe, just pop it right up. To be honest with you, when I go into a men's room, I do, I go even before the pandemic, I go out of my way to not touch a single thing in a men's restroom. They're disgusting disgusting gross I have never pissed on a toilet seat especially a public one why number one it's just bad form cultural like it's bad cultural moral form number two am I wrong for saying that I'm trying to be considerate to the person that might have to use the toilet seat after me right now I know that women do different things like women hover I know that that's a thing my wife has talked to me about that like women when they go to use the bathroom they don't even sit on the seat they hover. Men don't really hover. That's not a man thing. <laughs> it's just it's just not that's not what men do. Men don't hover. <laughs> so I don't even know if I could hover if I needed to hover. <laughs> if we're going to break this moment down about women hovering versus men whatever men do. Women are magical creatures. Let's just we can just start right there. Women are absolute 100% magical creatures there's women can do things that men just to include like pushing a baby between out out of their body between their legs women are just magical creatures hovering is something that a woman can do men cannot hover men don't hover just doesn't happen i'm almost done with my rant i'm all I, i promise you i'm almost done with my rant i had to talk about it this is a training camp issue training camp issue but I just, I just don't understand it. When you're a man, and you, there's men listening to this show, and if you are one of these guys, why would you? Why do you? Why? How could you? What is wrong with you? How much of an ignorant prick do you have to be to not lift the toilet seat, to leave the toilet seat down and then just blatantly just spray all over the toilet seat? It seems like sometimes you're not even aiming for the center. There were guys in the poll that were like, sometimes it's an accident. How do you accidentally not put up the toilet seat? The first thing I'm focused on when I walk into a stall is the condition, the situation, the position of the toilet seat. The first thing I'm thinking about when I walk into a stall, before I unzip my pants, I'm looking at the where's the toilet seat at. If it's down, I use my toe, I push it up in the air, I prop it up, and then I take care of business. There were people in this poll making excuses, legitimately making excuses. I can see my like my watcher, my viewer numbers dwindling as I'm continuing this story. This is no longer a family show. Sorry, it is what it is. I'm getting text messages. I've Morgan Wagner just texted me. Like, I'm getting text messages about this show right now. This is awesome. I'm just being real, I'm being honest. I, I'm back, I'm fresh, I've got a lot of excitement. This is the first thing I needed to talk about. You either walk into a stall and you and you and you fork that thing up, shoot it up in the air with your toe, or you sit down and go to the bathroom. that's that's acceptable. you know what is it Ross with Ross Geller from friends they laughed at him about that like if you want to sit to go, sit to go. I don't know, squat forward if you have to and like put your hands against the wall. I, I don't even know if that's possible. Or how about this? How about if you, if you are the inconsiderate jerk that does this, instead of going into the stall and doing it, why not just be patient and wait for a urinal? Just wait for a urinal. Is it that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? David Reed jumping in with a super chat. Worst part is the handicap stalls. People who need them get screwed the most nothing angers me more and i'm 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 guessing david that you're referencing people who are not handicapped going into the handicap stalls and using them even if properly right they're using them in the sense of like they're they're not going to the bathroom on the toilet seat or if they are regardless people using the handicap stall they're they're not handicapped and i guess if i guess if what you're talking about i mean people that are pissing on the yeah pissing on the toilet seats but <laughs> So that's my first rant (laughs) rant over at this point. We're going to talk about training camp. We're going to talk. I just had, I had to get it out there. If you were that guy, I just said rant over and I'm still ranting. If you were that guy, just don't be that guy anymore from here on out, draw a line in the sand, like make a promise to yourself going forward for the rest of my life, sober, drunk, no matter what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, where I'm standing, what's going on in my life. I'm going to use my foot to kick the toilet seat up because I'm going to be a better human be a better human. <laughs> Chris Janky. Now can we talk about poo? No, Chris. We're definitely not talking about poo on the show. We're gonna talk about Bill's football. Training camp on Saturday. I'm 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 segueing. I'm 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 changing the station officially. We're turning the page. If I get a super chat about urine at this point, I'm not reading it. <laughs> Another one. Segwaying. First thing I noticed, oh, where am I at? Unfortunately, what I want to, so let's do this. So before I get into training camp, let's do this. So um, let's jump over to the sponsor. Let's talk about, uh, give me 30 seconds, whatever it is, 30 seconds, 40 seconds to uh, play John's ad real quick. Uh, This is John Spaschek. He is the sponsor, long time, first and only uh, sponsor of this show. A uh, wonderful partner, wonderful friend of mine. Actually, John and I went on Saturday. We're going again on Tuesday together. John is a great friend of mine. Uh, listen to John real quick, and I'll be right back in a couple seconds. Hello,
0: Buffalo football family. I am the market dominator, John Spaschek, And I am here as the proud sponsor of the Overreaction podcast by my good friend, Joe Miller. And one of the reasons why I partner with Joe is because of excellence. He runs an outstanding podcast and that is exactly our approach in real estate. We wanna help you win just as our beloved team is out there winning week in and week out. So if you're looking to buy or sell in real estate, please reach out to us directly at 716-570-3298 and we will help you win in this competitive market. Go Bills.
1: Go Bills. That is John Spazchek. He is the, uh, the the basically the head of the market dominator team uh, here in Western New York. And things in the housing market are crazy. Uh, you may have thought before that you didn't need an agent or you could use any old agent that you wanted to use. I would tell you this. Now is the time more than ever that you need to win. And you need to be on the winning team, whether you're buying or selling. Give John and his team a call, as he said. His number is 716 570 3298. I would I would challenge you. If you could listen to me and dial him, call him right now. He'll answer his phone. 716-570-3298. Give John and the market dominator team a call. Let them know. Make sure you let them know that the voice sent you. Training cam. All right, turn in the page. Officially. Officially turn in the page for the rest of the show. <laughs> I can't do it. Ralph Wilson Sr. comments: the training pants show. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That is classic. <laughs> oh, I can't. We just might have to end the show right now. I might have to come back at 10. <laughs> my drink's almost gone. Goodness gracious. Training camp. We're Refocus. All right. Woosa. Refocus. First things I noticed at training camp on Saturday. The very first thing I noticed. Holy crap. This place is packed. Slammed. There were more people at camp on Saturday than I think I've ever seen at camp, and I've been to a lot for many years. The very first training camp that I went to at St. John Fisher was uh, Marshawn Lynch's rookie year, so I've been to a bunch, a lot. And back then, obviously, it was set up different. You know, the Bills have made a lot of uh, significant, you know, uh, uh, donations to St. John Fisher to help them build the extra fields, the stadiums, and all that kind of stuff. But there was a time when there was like a couple practice fields, and there was just a normal chain link fence. And you could like stand along the fence and you could watch bills practice and there was a lot of people there but it wasn't anything like what i saw on saturday it was packed and it was awesome it was actually very cool everybody was very happy to be there everybody was having fun people were jovial and just enjoying the atmosphere in general the weather was beautiful it's western new york come on there's no better place to be in the summertime than western new york it was absolutely gorgeous but there was more people than i'd ever seen in camp so that was my first observation and then another one observation that wasn't at camp and I don't I've got this in the wrong spot on my notes but I'm going to talk about it or I'll forget. Andre Reed like threw a picture up on Instagram of him talking to OBJ trying to talk him into coming to Buffalo. Am I the only person that's out on OBJ coming to Buffalo? Am I the only member of Bill's Mafia that's like I'm good, bro. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need the drama. I know he's talented. I know he's absolutely phenomenally incredibly talented. I just, you know what? I got Stefan Diggs and I think I'm good. <laughs> I got Gabe Davis. I think I'm good. After what I saw on Saturday, I've got Isaiah McKenzie. I think I'm good. Like I've got we got some we got some dudes that can play football on this depth chart. So, anyways, I got that in my notes here. I don't know why, uh, but uh, if uh, if anybody else feels that way, if you're in into OBJ, I guess I could probably do a show on whether why good, bad, indifferent he should be here or not. I'm just not. I'm just. I'm just not there. That's just not me. So, uh, so Dion Dawkins. I was. I did notice right away that Dion was not out on the field. Um, I noticed seventy three was missing. Tommy Doyle, if I'm not mistaken, was taking the uh, the large portion of the left tackle uh, reps for Dion. We, uh, Mitch Morris, was interviewed after practice, and he said that basically, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, that the players don't really know what's going on with Dion, but that uh, they do know that uh, that they should be praying for him, and you know, basically, we all should be too. And Mitch, I just want to tell you, even though I know you're probably not listening to this show, if you are. Uh, We will be praying for Dion. Uh, Hope to get you back soon, Dion. Obviously, life will always be more important than football. But this city loves you. This city needs you. This team needs you. So we will be praying for you. Uh, Micah Micah Hyde uh, had that significant injury, I believe it was on Friday. He went down on the ground hard. And Jordan Poyer, I believe, was calling for a cart or calling for trainers. Uh, He went off the field very difficult. It looked bad at first. But uh, if you have not heard, it just seems to be kind of like a glute contusion. Which is basically a butt bruise, and his hip is a little bit bruised. He was walking on the field, he was limping around. Uh, and Coach McDermott said that he was going to be day to day. Uh, Jameson Crowder has still not been on the field, and I'm not sure exactly when he's going to be back. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I focused on Saturday on the wide receivers. That was where my focus, if you remember, before this, before I took my break, so June, I for me. All the focus this preseason and training camp is going to be on the wide receivers and that room and what's going on there, because there is a ton of talent in that room. It's incredibly deep in that room. Uh, there are guys that are very good in that room. There's rumors of guys that are that are or have been very good in that room. There's additions like Jameson Crowder to that room. Uh, there's just a lot of storyline there. Uh, obviously, Isaiah McKenzie Beasley being gone. Emmanuel Sanders being gone. It opens up like 160 targets, something like that, or 150 targets between those two guys to potentially go to somebody else. Gabe Davis moving up into the number two role. Uh, there's other stuff as well that I, I'm not really privileged to say here, but there's a lot going on there. I can't imagine that it's good for Jamison Crowder to be missing, especially on the contract that he's on in Buffalo. What do you mean, Joe? What I mean is they didn't sign him to you know a two-year $20 million contract with $16 fully guaranteed. He is on a very, very lean contract, almost a prove-it contract from a guy that doesn't really need to prove it. Jamison Crowder was by far and away, I mean, I think you could argue the best weapon the Jets had last year. He came into Buffalo to basically replace Cole Beasley. That's what we all thought. Cole's going to move on. It's time, injured, often, love Cole, maybe, you know, don't go away mad, just go away type of a situation. And and he did. They bring in Jamison Crowder on a one-year deal. I think they're paying him 2 or $3 million, a contract you could easily walk away from. And I just don't think it bodes well for Jamison Crowder to not be on the field. And I'll be honest with you, from what I saw from Isaiah McKenzie on Saturday, it kind of affirms what I believe. And oh, by the way, there's other guys that are actually playing very well as well and the word they talk about it all the time you hear Jay Spence talk about it that availability is the best ability uh, uh Garofalo said it to I think Josh Allen as well in his presser on Saturday on NFL Network availability is the best ability and right now Jamison Crowder is not available and what that's doing is it's giving the coaches the opportunity to see some guys that they probably wouldn't get to see as much of if he was in the lineup it just can't be good. it just can't be good. The Buffalo Bills started out practice. Uh they kind of like it did they did a before they stretched they did like this weird warm up like 11 on 11 half speed thing. I'd never seen it before. Uh a lot of the people in the crowd in the stands were talking about it. It was interesting. It was like an open walk through warm up before stretching. The first thing I noticed is that McKenzie was on it was in the slot and James Cook was in the backfield. So in the open walk-through warm-up, six was on the field, 28 was on the field. Now, 28 did not necessarily remain as kind of like the number one guy as far as that goes, but six was on the field a ton through all through practice, all through camp. Another observation that I made, and after I get through my observations, I'm going to hit the wide receivers real quick, then I'm going to get you guys out of here. The punting competition. I'm interested. I'm interested in the punting competition. I'm going to, and you know what? I'm going to, not a lot of people know this. I don't like to talk about this stuff. I'm going to be transparent. <clears> throat> Throat's getting dry. I got the opportunity to golf with Matt Hawk this summer. Um, If you've listened to the show, if you've been a listener, listener to this show, I have, have been a Matt Hawk critic. It's not, even though some people think it's true, it's not because I'm a Corey Bohorkas fan. I'm actually not a Corey Bohorkas fan. I just had a lucky Corey Bohorquez jersey that I had to buy because I lost a bet to James Spence, the king. <laughs> I lost the bet to Jay Spence, had to buy a Corey Bohorquez jersey, put it on, and the bill started winning and didn't stop winning. Boho Mojo. But last year in 2021, I was not necessarily a huge Matt Hawk fan. I was very much a detractor. I was very critical. But I got the opportunity to golf with Matt Hawk. Matt Hawk is one of the nicest, most genuine, awesome dudes (laughs) that you would ever want to connect with. Even to the point of being self-deprecating. He was just a very real, awesome, phenomenal young man. So I was... Outside of Matt Areza being on this football team and being drafted, the punt god, right? I mean, it's hard to to not be interested in that situation. I'm interested because I got the opportunity to meet Matt Hawk and realized he was a pretty cool dude. This is what I'm going to say. There were people, this is all I'm going to say, there were people talking about camp before Saturday in some of the reports that, like, when the guys were punting the ball, you could noticeably hear the difference when Matt Areza punted it. It was like a boom off his foot, and Matt Hawk didn't have the same quality of timbre when his foot hit the ball. I didn't notice that. For me, the ball sounded the same, regardless of who kicked it. Both guys had some good punts. Uh, Both guys had some bad punts. And that's kind of where I would leave that. I think this is literally going to come down to Holding, it it might. Which we know that Matt Hawk is an elite holder, elite in the NFL. Matt Hawk is making the money he's making from the Buffalo Bills because he's an elite holder. Corey Bohorquez is not in Buffalo because he's a horrible holder. Ask Mason Crosby. Ask any Green Bay Packer fan. Horrible holder. Both punters had some good punts. Both punters had some bad punts. This is going to legitimately come down to a holding game. Now, if I'm being honest, and I heard somebody say this behind me in the stands, and they are 100% right. When the weather gets bad, Matt Hawk struggles a little bit. He struggled here in Buffalo, last game of the season in 2020. He struggled here in Buffalo as a Buffalo Bill in bad weather. I don't know enough about Matt Areza to tell you whether or not he's good in bad weather or not. I'm just telling you from what I saw in the summertime, there was no gigantic boom of the ball when Matt Areza kicked it versus when Matt Hawk kicked it. Now, there could absolutely be some situational stuff that they were working on. We know when when they get into training camp, we know day-to-day they're working on different things. There very much could have been a or I should say not a you know scenario where the, the special teams coach is like, oh, just get out there and kick the hell out of the ball. Kick it as far as you can. That's absolutely – they could have been trying to position. They could have been trying to get in inside of a certain area. Literally, I don't have context because I don't have connection to the coaches, right? They also did not kick any field goals. There was no field goal practice, so I did not get to see Matareza hold the ball. Hopefully on Monday when I go to training camp or Tuesday, they will do some field goal kicking. And we'll get a good look on whether or not Matt can hold can hold. Because right now we don't know. Or at least I should should say I don't know, and I don't think any of you guys know. Right? Catching punts. Catching punts from these guys. 6, 10, 5, 35, 86. And I've got my handy-dandy <laughs> roster. 6. As we know, the first guy catching punts was 6, Isaiah McKenzie. 10, uh, Khalil Shakir. 5, uh, Marquez Stevenson. 35, I don't know. So 35, and I'm looking at my roster sheet. Raheem Blackshear was also catching punts. And then 86 was the last guy in rotation. I think Tavon Austin. Those were the guys that were back catching punts from these dudes. And all of them pretty much, I believe, stayed after practice to catch punts. There is an all-out onslaught to find out who is going to be the punt returner for this football team this year. They did zero practicing of kickoffs. So there was no kickoff returns, zero. Now, getting down to practice, should have grabbed a bottle of water. The offense started off a little bit, we'll call it, not sharp. That not sharpness lasted most of the practice. Josh was off. Now, granted, his offensive line in front of him, Deion Dawkins was not there. Ryan Rick Bates was not there. He had a whole crew of guys. Mitch Morse was there. Spencer Brown was there. I think Quisenberry was playing. Cody Ford was playing. Tommy Doyle was playing. So when you're talking about a makeshift offensive line, that is legitimately what was in front of him. And he had a very hungry defense in front of him. And the defense was getting after it. Getting, they tipped a couple of balls from Josh Allen. Jordan Phillips tipped a ball, which was actually prior to the heralded well-reported-on, quote-unquote, fight. The defense was getting after it. We hear all the time that defenses are ahead of offenses early on in training camp. And generally speaking, we hear that that's a good thing because defenses kind of are cohesive in gel. And I'll be honest with you, if you go back to 2021... There was reports that the offense was lighting up the defense. Lighting them up. Now, granted, that 2021 defense was good. They were number one in a bunch of categories. But I think we would all say, feel, that they weren't maybe as good as they could have been. But we heard that the offense early on, from the start, was lighting them up. And if you go back and listen early in 2021 preseason, you will hear me say that, that I think I said that to Jay Spencer King, that that makes me nervous that the defense is not in front of the offense or ahead of the offense this early in training camp. But right now, the defense is in front of the offense. And I talked to a player today. We were talking about the fight. We were talking about Josh struggling a little bit. And he said, this defense is going to be very good. (laughs) He said they are going... like He he raised his eyebrows and looked to the side and was like, they're going to be really good. He said there are multiple... They disguise way better this year. They're going to be absolutely very good, and the offense is struggling because already they're showing how good they're going to be. There's energy on that side. There's momentum on that side. Uh, There's guys that are hungry, that want to get after it. Von Miller is now a part of this defense. This defense is going to be good. I'm excited about this defense. I'm, I'm just as excited about the offense, but I'm excited about this defense. Zach Moss, another observation for me, uh seemed like he was a lot smoother. He had a lot more flow, a lot more go. I know those are weird words, they rhyme, don't mean to rhyme. Clearly, he is post injury. Uh, we found out late at the end of the season last year, I think in the offseason early that he had screws in his ankle all of 2021, which hindered him. So I'm you know, I, I a lot of us in our early mocks, in our early roster predictions, had Zach as potentially a, a, a casualty you know, a cut casualty, a guy that's on the bubble. I don't know. It might be Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook. Those might be the guys this year. We'll see. Moss brings a different skill set. I just spit all over myself. (laughs) Zach Moss brings a different skill set than Devin Singletary and James Cook brings. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in now that he is healthy. But the offense, the first team offense, struggled quite a bit. It just, it just, it's funny because I keep building on that. They just, they just, they weren't sharp. Josh wasn't sharp. He looked unsettled. He had guys around him all the time. His throws were a little bit off. The second team came in after some struggles, and they they did better. So the second team offense came in. The second team defense came in. The second team offense, Case Keenum had a bunch of nice passes. Uh, to some guys, including Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins, you know, and I can get into that actually right now. For me, you know, when we talk about the storylines from camp or for camp, you know, I've said it already in this show. Need some water. The storyline this year for me is going to be the wide receivers. There There is not a more compelling position room in this preseason for me then though. I can't wait for the games to start. I can't wait to see these guys. Cuz cuz there's we know Diggs is going to make it. We know right Gabe Davis is going to make it. We believe Isaiah McKenzie is going to make it and when when you watch him in camp I don't I don't know how they could cut him. He was playing that well. And then there's a bunch of question marks including right now Jamison Crowder who has not been on the field the Bills are deep at wide receiver, very deep. And to me, it's not a, these are the six. I know we've all talked. These are the six. Oh, we got the six. These are the six guys. And I still believe Stephon Diggs is going to make this football team. Obviously, Gabriel Davis is going to make this football team. Khalil Shakir is not going to get cut from this football team. Nate Gary has turned the, turned the corner on Isaiah McKenzie, and he's been at practices, training camp. I think I have as well. I think that there is a plan for Isaiah McKenzie on this football team this year. And after you get to there, Marquez Stevenson looked really good. Isaiah Hodgins dropped one football, and a couple of them were very contested catches. And I know that there's some of you that listen to me on the Hump Day Hotline with Jay Spence, and he's like, well, you're friends with Isaiah, so blah, 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 blah you got a soft spot for him. I'm telling you, Isaiah showed up and showed out in this practice on Saturday. He There was one ball that he dropped, and it was a ball that wasn't even supposed to come to him. He was running an underneath route. He was engaged with, his, with the cornerback. He had his head down. As soon as he picked his head up, almost to just basically get rid of the ball, Keenum fired the ball at him, and the ball hit him in the hand, and he wasn't even expecting it that Isaiah Hodgins actually doing special teams drills. He was practicing as a gunner. They're going to give him every chance. They're going to give all of these guys every opportunity to make this football team wide receiver to me by far and away. These depth, these depth battles is where you want your eyes to be at camp. It's where you want your eyes to be for all these preseason games. This is the battle. So these are the guys when they were kind of lining up and, and practicing in the X position, right? So we all know the X, Y, and Z, right? Those are the three positions, primary positions for wide receivers. Practicing in the X positions were Stefan Diggs, Isaiah Hodgins, and Tavon Austin. So first team, second team, third team. In the Y position, uh, Gabriel Davis, Marquez Stevenson, uh, and then I think his name is, uh, is it Neil? Yeah, Neil Pau. Pau, he's a Hawaiian dude. So 82. I don't know his name. In the slot, first guy, Isaiah McKenzie, then Khalil Shakir, and then Tanner Gentry, Josh Allen's old buddy from Wyoming. This is what I'm going to say about all these wide receivers. They're all talented, they're all very good. Stefan Diggs is just from another world. He makes it look, he just makes it look so easy. He sets up his defender so it doesn't matter who's defending him. He just, he reads the defensive coverage. He sets his defender up so well, and he gets in and out of his breaks. It's just, it's just, but, and the funny part about it is you're watching him make these moves, right? You're seeing the defender's position on Stefan Diggs because it's practice and you can focus on things you normally don't on a Sunday. And your brain says to you in the moment, oh, you should go there. And suddenly, like cutting knife, like a, knife or a knife through warm butter, the dude just finds that spot, and the cornerback is lost. He's like, I don't know where the guy just went. And Stefan Diggs is wide open. This kid is, we've had him here for, this is his third season. We've watched him every single Sunday. And as much as I want to say that we have appreciated him as a talent on this football team, I don't think we, when you watch, and this is not a slam against Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is a, is a, is a talented football player in his own right. He brings a different skill set, toe touch, the sideline capability, his size, his demeanor. He has shake and bake. Gabriel Davis is clumsy compared to Stefan Diggs. Stephon Diggs is a ballet dancer out there on the edge with a corner. It's ridiculous. It's otherworldly. It's almost not fair watching him just turn cornerbacks around. And I get it. Trey isn't out there. It's just something to watch. It's something to behold. And I, I hope that all of you who are within 200 miles can get to training camp just to go to one of these practices and focus on Stephon Diggs because it's unbelievable to watch. He just makes it look so easy. It's ridiculous. The Buffalo Bills, it was cool. They did a very good job of rotating side to side. So they had two quarterbacks in. I'm sure you guys have seen this drill, right? So they run a play and the quarterback on the right side throws to his side and then they run another play and the quarterback on the left side throws to his side and they're rotating the quarterbacks back and forth. So Josh Allen and Case Keenum, right? They're going right to left, right to left, right to left. And they were doing a very good job of making sure that the ones stayed with the ones and the twos stayed with the twos. So every time Josh threw the football, he was throwing it Diggs, McKenzie, or Davis. And every time Keenum threw the football, he was throwing to Hodgins, uh, Khalil Shakir, and then whoever the, the number three guy was that I mentioned earlier. It was kind of a neat little rotation. When they were going seven on seven, it was borderline unfair. So as much as I said that Josh Allen struggled in 11 on 11, and he did struggled, the offense struggled in 11, 11 on seven on seven. They owned the bills defense with zero pass rush. And it wasn't a, there's no pass rush. So Josh Allen, much like JP lost used to do set in the pocket for five minutes to find the open receiver and, Threw a glorious little pass to whoever. No, the ball was coming out quick. The ball was coming out on time. The ball was coming out in rhythm. Seven on seven, the defenders, the defensive backs, could not keep up with the Bills wide receivers, first team or second team. 11 on 11, with the offensive line issues that we're kind of having right now, it was a, that defensive line that's completely overhauled and ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. They owned them a little bit. But it was cool to see them rotate guys and kind of line guys up. Now, they may have done this always. This might be something they've always done in the past, and I've just missed it because I haven't been uberly focused on the wide receivers like I am now. I'll be honest with you, and probably much like all of you, every other year that I've gone to camp, I've been wholly focused on the quarterback because what has been the biggest issue on this football team before Josh Allen showed up? Quarterback. Right. But like we talked about, they were the, the Bills' offense was a little off. There were highlights. There were some great throws. I'm sure most of you saw that uh that that highlight reel pass that Josh threw to uh Isaiah McKenzie in the back of the end zone. It was a beautiful pass. It was an acrobatic catch. It was awesome. And again, seven on seven, not to get anybody worried. Seven on seven, they were incredible. There was a point where I looked at John and I was like, I don't think they've had an incompletion yet. And seven on seven, and there was a bunch of plays. And then just as I said that, Josh overthrew Stefan Diggs. <laughs> it's like I jinxed him. They worked a lot of underneath stuff, they worked a lot of intermediate stuff. It was, it was, it was fun to watch. And then, like I said, that gorgeous pass to Isaiah McKenzie. Now, having a conversation just about what I watched, what I saw, what I feel like you should be watching. Regardless of what happens in the wide receiver room, I have 100% confidence that the Buffalo Bills are going to find the best six, seven, right? The issue is going to come in as it pertains to the return game. Who's that guy going to be? How are the Bills going to use that guy? Because as much as I say to you, and it's true, Isaiah McKenzie had a great day of practice he played a lot in practice he was targeted a lot in practice probably the second most targeted player behind Stefan Diggs and he caught a lot of balls he was open a lot there was one play where he got uh he got tackled by uh Keir Elam and he didn't like it (laughs) I got up and pushed him shoved him a little bit he didn't he didn't like getting tackled to the ground by Elam and I think Elam ran through his tackle a little bit, lost his step. I don't think he was intentionally doing it. But it was interesting the way that it happened. But I it'll be interesting to see how the Bills do this because last year Beasley was the slot guy. McKenzie was a return guy. McKenzie only played in the return game until he fumbled. Then he got benched, then he came back to be in the in the in the slot and if you remember destroyed the Patriots, right? and then kind of vanished. It'll be interesting to see if they use him on a dual purpose. If McKenzie can fill that role of the slot, the, the Z receiver, I'll be interested to see if the Bills even keep Jamison Crowder. Does he have a spot on this team? Because you are going to are you going to hang on to a guy that's on a one-year deal, I think $3 million, or are you going to hang on to somebody else like a Khalil Shakir, like a, a Marquis Stevenson that you spend a draft pick on, uh, uh, an Isaiah Hodgins who has a completely different body type? than any other receiver on this football team. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting. And I have full trust in this Buffalo Bills football team or I should say uh management staff and coaching staff to find the right guys. Now, what everybody wants to <laughs> what everybody wants to listen to, the fight. Oh, the fight. So it was ridiculous. Um <laughs> it's being overblown. By Miami fans and other people, it actually was trending. Fight in Bills camp. I had a Miami friend, a, a Dolphins fan friend, that's on Twitter say, you know, called the Bills the bickering Bills, and I responded with, "No, they're not the bickering Bills. They're the AFC East champion Buffalo Bills." <laughs> like my hat says, get it right. Earlier in the practice, a couple plays before, Jordan Phillips tipped a football. The Josh Allen threw, and I can't remember. I think it got intercepted. I, Josh wasn't happy. Whatever. The offense was having a bad day. The last play of practice, not because this happened, but it – well, how do I want to say that? It's probably because this happened. I'm not sure that it was intended to be the last play of practice, but this was the last play. Josh Allen takes a snap, drops back, goes to his left. You saw him. He runs off to his left, goes through, and gets a little bit of a shoulder from Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, who loves Buffalo. Jordan Phillips, who loves Josh Allen. Jordan Phillips, who wants to be in Buffalo – more than any probably almost any player next to Josh Allen, Jordan Phillips, this is where he wants to be, doesn't want to be any other place. You've heard him talk. You've heard him speak. You heard you've heard all of the conversations if you've if you have not caught a Jordan Phillips interview, catch one and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He was not being dirty. He was not trying to hurt Josh Allen. Josh Allen took a little bit of offense in the moment about being struck by Jordan Phillips as he was Cruising his way into the end zone through a little bit of a crowd. Got up, shoved Jordan Phillips in the face. Crowd ensued. Pile. And I'm watching this thing, right? Pile is moving. And for where I'm at, it's on my right side. Uh, They're moving away from me from my right side. So I see the pile ganging up. And I'm like, oh, ooh, something's going on down there. And I saw the whole thing happen. I didn't see why Josh got mad until I saw the video after. But I saw Josh basically get in and start making noise and then i see as the piles moving sideways i see stefan Diggs, or i should say gabe davis jump on the pile and then i see stefan Diggs jump on the pile and i'm like what is that's the moment where i'm like what is going on (laughs) like why in the world are gabriel davis and stefan Diggs jumping on top of this pile the skirmish that is offensive linemen defensive linemen and josh allen i get the whole protect your quarterback thing but we're gonna let six foot nine Tommy Doyle and six foot eight Spencer Brown protect our quarterback and not six foot one Stefan Diggs and six foot two Gabriel Davis protect our quarterback. It, it's been blown up in the media pretty good. um I heard a rumor that from somebody that was getting autographs that uh Phillips Jordan Phillips was not happy when he came off the field. I've since heard from a couple players and a reporter that that's not true, that Jordan was fine, that there was no animosity, no negative feelings, whatever. And then I was talking to a player today and asked about the situation with the fight. And I was like, dude, it's crazy. Like the media is going nuts with this thing. And he laughed and he was like, it's, it's, he's like, it's amazing what the media is trying to do. The media will do anything. The media outside of Buffalo is doing anything they can to kind of drag the bills right now. And he said, it's ridiculous. And I was like, So, and I said, so talk me through it. He goes, and he said to me, and I quote, I think Josh was trying to fire the offense up because we were having a little bit of a tough day. Josh Allen was trying to fire the offense up. Which to me explains the whole entire thing. So Josh is a competitor, right? And at the end of the day, if you're going to send a message to the guys that are protecting you because they haven't done the best job today, Maybe. What do you do? You get in a fight and you get the energy up. You get the momentum up. You get, right? You get the emotion up. And you kind of, if you're, if you're the $258 million quarterback and things aren't necessarily going the way that you want it to do, want it to go, rather, I should say. And you don't feel like they're doing, if they're, if, they're, if the fight isn't in them, right? You bring the fight to them. I think that's the best way to quote that. If the fight's not in them, you bring the fight to them. And I think that that's what Josh did if I had to assume the situation. But at the end of the day, I can tell you this, there's no hard feelings, nobody's upset. It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. There was no there was no punches like real punches thrown. There was no I mean it wasn't bad. It just was what it was. It was fun. And literally somebody else that I talked to said that, that they were just having fun out there. So have you ever been in that situation? Like where you're just playing with the boys, playing full of the boys and it gets a little tussly or it gets a little heated, but nobody's mad at each other. And you just kind of like, you know, whatever, rough house a little bit. So I got the feeling that that's kind of what was going on in that moment. And I'll be honest with you, even after practice, it didn't feel tense. It didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel weird. So that is my take on Saturdays practice at training camp again i'm going to be there monday today for those of you that are listening in podcast form if you're going to be out at practice please come find me um i'll do the best that i can on twitter to take a picture of wherever i'm sitting uh and then you can come up i think i don't even remember how many people there's a bunch of people i got to meet a ton of people on saturday uh it was really really cool so i appreciate that uh always uh up for a conversation always up for a handshake always up for a go bills Uh, I love every single one of you guys and I appreciate all of you hanging with me uh, for this episode and super super just great to be back super excited to be here excited for the season excited for all of you in the chat section that have just kind of kept this chat thing rolling for this entire show you guys are the real MVPs up in here but ladies and gentlemen. You have been tuned into the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show, brought to you by the Market Dominator team on the Buffalo Rumblings Vodcast Network, presented by Picasso's Pizza. That's a new one. I don't know if you're catching that. That's a new one presented by Picasso's Pizza. I am your host. I'm the voice of the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. Tomorrow, Monday, 8 p.m., the Off Tackle with John Fiena show returns live right here on YouTube. We'll also drop us a podcast on Tuesday. Code of conduct, I believe returns on Tuesday and Jay Spence, the King has a money guest. You will not want to miss the code of conduct on Tuesday, Wednesday, the hump day hotline with myself and Jay Spence, the King returns eight o'clock live on YouTube, drops us a podcast on Thursday. Love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Hope to see you tomorrow or Tuesday. If not, I will be at the red and blue game on Friday with the family. But for me, for the market dominator, for Buffalo rumblings, for Picasso's pizza, apparently. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Go Bills.